You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Team team blitz calling is gonna be pretty interesting, I think. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting one for me because a lot of our people are kind of across the world, right? So I have to balance if I can find a team to play with. And if I can't, I might try to do coverage, I guess. Um, As opposed to me, who has everyone here in Australia. I mean, you have Dan. <laughs> like, he, lives in New- he lives in New Zealand, but good, good try. He'll come over, though. Come on. Yeah, he'll it's, come a, it's, a, it's a hop, skip, and a jump over. What do you mean? It's right next to each All righty. So episode 55. Yeah, Hayden and I are going to be talking about the recent banner restriction announcement, no surprise there, as well as these upcoming Uprising spoilers. So the new set, I guess they decided to give it to us early. Official spoilers haven't started yet, um, but they gave us a lot of teasers. We have quite a bit to go off, and it looks very, very exciting. Um, Regarding the banner restricted announcement, they gave it to us early. Whew! Who expected that? Um, very happy. I think that every, you know, sort of the reception there is overwhelmingly positive, right? Um, better early than never, I guess, or better early than late. But Hayden, before we dive into your week in flesh and blood, let me get your sort of knee-jerk reaction to getting the banner restricted announcement um, before it was sort of the official date. I think mostly it just shows that uh, Legend Story Studios have taken on board feedback from the community to be honest in terms of that that lead time and the fact that uh, star of the show cannot become living legend before the uh, announcement date because of not winning uh, those battle hardened events that they uh, they make the announcement so i think that it makes a lot of sense they obviously had listened to feedback they were ready to go with the announcement they'd i guess you know that sort of extra month or what is it now normal three weeks they have They've made those decisions and had that ready to go. So my initial response is, I guess, it's it's a good thing. It means that I think the pro tour is going to be uh, a bit more, a bit more interesting because I think there's a bit more time for people to dig in and, and try different things. And um, yeah, we'll talk a bit about what that means for the format and things like that as we get into the show. I'm sure. But first response is, yeah, really, really good thing. I think. Yeah. So my week in flesh and blood. Um. What? I mean. I guess it got hectic when they dropped the announcement. Before that, not much. Haven't been playing much Flesh and Blood outside of testing. Um, we have kept up pretty rigorous testing, even during this sort of limbo period. Um, but other than that, haven't been playing too much Fab. I played a Magic pre-release. It was like, whoa, Magic pre-release. Played a Magic pre-release this weekend because I said nothing to do, so I went. It was decently fun. Um, my, my round one opponent was actually... Um, I don't know. I, his name's Everett, I think, or Everett. Uh, but he's a streamer uh, named uh, the Twitch name is Aspiring Spike. It's a pretty popular modern streamer, and that was like my round one opponent, which was kind of funny. I didn't even know he lived in Dallas. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun. It was fun enough. There was a there's a store near me called Common Grounds. It was <clears throat> sort of the store I played at as soon as I moved to Dallas, uh, and they have been sort of setting up their new storefront. They moved and expanded for the past like two years. So they finally. This is like the premier event, their grand opening, um, and the space is incredible. So um, excited for them to host more flesh and blood events. When I did the sort of the 10K Blitz and 10K class constructed event here a couple of months ago, they actually put in quite a bit of that money, from what I understand, to the Fab tournament. So hopefully they start hosting events, and um, it's actually pretty close to me, about 20 minutes away, which is 
a big difference <laughs> versus like the 40 minuteers. What about you, Hayden? Nice. Yeah. Uh, I just got back from New Zealand. Very fortuitous timing. I got back on, it literally as I was on the plane, the banner restricted announcement dropped and I had, I had Wi-Fi on the plane and I saw it, the banner suspended now. Uh, and was like furiously like, wait, what? I, I was trying to get onto Discord and like the plane Wi-Fi wouldn't let me get onto like just Discord to message. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll wait till I land. But um, my weak flesh and blood apart from seeing the banned and suspended announcement two days ago, uh, I played an armory in New Zealand down in Christchurch, which was awesome. Played a Blitz, a Blitz armory, played Reiner. Uh, shout out to Sam, who's one of our patrons who I met. We jammed a game between rounds. I uh, didn't actually get to play in the event because I was too busy losing round one. Um, so we didn't play in the event. And I also got in a draft as well uh, once I went up a bit further north to New Plymouth. So played a Monarch draft, did really badly. Uh, but I did open a library in pack two. So, you know, who's the real winner? <laughs> yeah. So um, can we finally get the yeah. last word on these New Zealand armories? Are they actually harder than um, than Callings? Harder than Calling Orlando? What, like, tell me. So <clears throat> what you say? New Plymouth? Was that the place? Well, I did worse. There you go. I did worse in these two armories than I did in the Calling Orlando. Confirmed. Th th it, that has nothing to do with it, does it really? <laughs> no, it has everything to do with it. I guess what they say is true. Um, yeah. Those, those New Zealand players are going to be prepared if they've been playing Pro Tour after Pro Tour week after week, effectively, at those armories. <laughs> nah. Let's I was... see. I mean, we, we can make some Pro Tour predictions if you want. But, oh, we um, will. We'll, let's we'll do see. that. Let's make, let's make enough to do that. I want to. Actually, region-based, too. I talked a little bit about that on Twitter Spaces. It's, like, really interesting sort of how people, um, you know, expect certain regions to show up because metas are actually quite different, right? I mean, look at New Zealand. Prism won, the, like, the, the Briar meta. It's wild. Uh, but that's definitely... But I, I digress. Aiden, let's go to the news. Well, we've got to start with the most important, surely, which is uh, that Uprising is officially coming. We have the release date, which is June 24th. More on that shortly. We're going to talk through the Uprising preview so far and um, a bit of excitement about the set and what that means for... We've got some world premieres, which is pretty exciting as well. Mm. So if you do want to know more about um, Uprising, we are going to talk about it shortly uh, once we get into, I guess, main topic one of the... Uh, of the, or main topic two, rather, of the podcast. But all the details are up there. There's some really great law articles already. Um, the previous season, I now believe, basically stops until we get to the previous season, which starts at the start of June, uh, post Pro Tour 1 and uh, the ProQuest season. Or as we ran out of the ProQuest season, going to get into this preview season, which is pretty cool. So go and check that out. With that as well, uh, we do have three callings coming. So... In June, at the World Premiere Weekend, we're going to have three callings as well. So one in Madrid, one in Vegas, one in Sydney, Australia. So three callings all at once. I, I believe this is the first time we're going to have even more than one calling at the same time. So three callings at one time. These are going to be Team Blitz, which uh, I'm pretty excited about. I think mm -hmm. the Blitz formats just had a massive shake-up with the band suspended announcement. And now we're going to get this Team Blitz calling, which I think, for me personally, I think it mitigates a little bit of some of the issues that you might have with Blitz in terms of a two-turn game, potentially. Although... The banner suspended announcement might address some of that anyway with what we've seen uh, hit with that announcement. But also you get three players across three different matchups to basically, basically play a best two out of three, right? That is what team a team event is, is that you're going to sit down, there's three of you, you're going to play your individual matches, and um, it's best two out of three of those matches takes the round win, which is, yeah, it's awesome. I'm, I'm excited to play this, um, and I don't have to travel for it, which is even better. I get to stay in my own bed. Yep, which is also kind of my loss as well because I can't convince anybody to come over to the U.S. to play that event. <laughs> um, so, gotta find some you got people. friends. 
you got friends. Yeah. This, this, I've heard there's a couple of I heard there's a couple of people who will probably play with you if you're lucky, and there's uh, you know there's at least a handful of very very good players uh, stateside. So I, I don't think uh, I don't think that'll be an issue. But with that, World Premier. So you've played in one of these before. Tell us, like, what is what are these World Premiers that we're getting alongside these callings? You played in one in Vegas for Tales of Aria. What Like, what are these events? Yeah, so they're casual events, um, but. The, the Tales of Our world premiere in Vegas is probably one of my the funnest events I've ever played because basically you get to open up the product for the first time before anybody else in the world does, unless they're simultaneous, um, and you get to play sealed. But like the catch is, is that usually a significant amount of the cards aren't spoiled, so nobody really knows what the heck is going on, <laughs> and it's really, really fun. I mean, in Vegas, I think it was... I can't remember if it was five rounds or a little bit. I think it was five or six total rounds. But um, yeah, it's pretty casual. I don't think there's anything on the line. But uh, it's just kind of fun when there's that forced that forced ignorance, right? When you, you can't go like study it all before. Nobody really knows exactly what the sort of interactions are. Um, and yeah, you just get a lot of wild, uh, wild speculation on the day as well. Like old him fatigue sort of in sealed. I remember people were playing like old him pile. This oh god, it was so popular at that, that Vegas event. But um, yeah, they're really fun. Basically, you have to play the set before anybody else. Play some sealed, see some new cards, um, and I'm happy that we get to do it again. I'm pumped. Yeah, it's a it's a pre pre release, effectively, right? It actually mm-hmm. happens the weekend before the pre release happens, and then the week after that is the release event. But you get the chance to go to these events, see the cards before basically anyone who's not the design team, I imagine, and people in the factory printing these cards, uh, and you get this buzz of excitement. I mean, I, I wasn't there, obviously, Brendan, but I remember seeing on you know Discord and Facebook groups and stuff, like people like sending through, like, oh, like, like this one hasn't been previewed yet. Look at this card is awesome, and, and learning more about the heroes within each of you know these sets that we're, we're seeing world premieres for. I'm glad we're getting another world premiere and three at once. So, yeah, so world premiere is coming, as you say, Brendan, very exciting. I hope we get more of them. But calling details we have so far, I do just want to give some information on these. The All of the details are coming, I think, today. So the today we're recording this pod. Uh, so they'll already be up. So you have the full details. But go check it out on fabtg.com. The three callings, as I say, those are happening Friday, Saturday, Sunday. On the Friday is the world premiere event at each of these three locations in Madrid, Las Vegas, and Sydney. Uh, Saturday is the start of the team blitz calling, two-day event. If you don't make that day two, or for some reason you know you don't want to play that team blitz calling, there is a battle hardened on the Sunday, uh, which is happening. And I don't know if we've got confirmation of what that format's going to be yet. But by the time that this pod drops, those details should be up. I would assume it's going to be draft CC or what? No, because the set's <laughs> uprising <out>. draft. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd probably just play that to be honest. Yeah. Uh, as much as I want to play a team blitz calling. Um, I think it's probably going to be Blitz because you have a team Blitz calling or just be a classic instructor coming off the back of ProQuest Season 2 before we get into, uh, you know, the uprising potential season. So, yeah, very exciting. With that as well, do just want to, you know, on the back of callings, we've just had the calling Taiwan. So do just want to give a shout out to everyone who made it across. I think in the end they had about 180 players, uh, which is pretty impressive considering Taiwan is uh, pretty. It's pretty hard to get into right now, just in terms of they are in mm. you know a pretty COVID neutral. I think it was uh, 142 players. There yes. you go. I just looked it up. Looked it up now. Um, so congratulations to all those players uh, and to um, I was just looking for the winner. Uh, and I don't Shinjun Lo, who uh, became the first calling Taiwan champion. So there you go. Um, I'm talking about that. That final. Uh, you know what? I mean, if you want to go find out about it, a player was DQ'd. 
Um, if you want to talk about Brennan, that's up to you. <laughs> I, mean, I don't really know. Yeah. I just don't know the details. Yes. I just don't know the details. Exactly. I saw a small clip on Twitch of a player doing something that would definitely get you DQ'd, and that's kind of all I know about it. <laughs> well, I like your response because that is my response too, is that we don't know all the details, although, of course, I did see the clip as well. It looks uh, it looks pretty convincing. It looks bad. But, it looks bad. Yeah, there's a like, there's always so many variables when you... So we only get one perspective and there can be so much more going on. Um, but in lieu of the DQ, I do think that, um, you know, it's probably the right decision considering that it was video footage as well. But I just wanted to mention it because I know people would bring it up if we just kind of glossed over it and we're just like, oh yeah, there's this event. <laughs> it's a pretty critical moment in Flesh and Blood, I think. And um, overall, it's good. It's actually probably good for the game. Um, there's something like that yeah. happen. I do want to say, like, I definitely don't want it. I definitely want cheaters to be hit with you know the hammer as hard as possible but at the same time i don't know the full details i wasn't at the event the the judge team are going to do an investigation what all i can say is that i hope is that whatever the outcome of the investigation is by speaking to players speaking to judges at the event and you know to potentially this opponent's uh, this person's this player's opponents earlier in the event that they can find out if this is uh you know what the extent of this is but any cheating in this game i think should be responded to very fiercely and uh, very harshly with uh, with how penalties and DQs and even suspensions or bans uh, are dealt out. So, you know what, I don't want to play a game where people are able to get away with cheating because, or, you know, it's it's um, cheating can be net positive for them because you know, maybe they get a six-month ban or they get DQ'd, but next event they're able to play. Like, there's all these things. But in terms of the specific event, yeah, I, I, all I've seen is that clip and what happened, and I would say it did look pretty bad. But I don't, you know, I, I can't comment more than that. So I'm interested to see what happens with the uh, investigation by LSS and what comes of it with uh, with this particular player. But don't let it take away from the calling winner here. Uh, you know, we've got another calling winner in Taiwan here. Done an amazing job. Regardless of what happened in the final, had to battle all the way through the Swiss, all the way through uh, the top eight to get to this point. So massive congratulations. We did also have the Battle Hardened events, which took place in Madrid, which was won by a prison player, uh, Sergio. And then also we had a Battle Hardened in Frankfurt, which was uh, won by Joshua. And the, Joshua, actually, I'm fairly, fairly certain we've either had a question from Josh before on like the Commander Cookout. Definitely seen him on Twitter and stuff. Um, I know he's <clears throat> very active community member in uh, Europe. So congratulations to Joshua. He won that with Viserai. <laughs> Helped Viserai get banned in uh, Blitz. So he's, he's done his job there. For sure. Oh, Living Legend, sorry. <laughs> well, on a lighter note, uh, shout out to all the Arsenal Pass patrons. You know, your support does help us do what we do. Um, if you are interested in the Arsenal Pass Patreon, we do have extra content there, including extra podcasts, um, deck text, deck guides, as well as some interesting stuff every now and then. Sometimes Hayden and I commenting um, on matches, maybe matches that I win or lose on stream, because win or lose is now a consideration. I don't only lose on stream. Um, but yeah, we, we're going to have some really interesting content coming out, uh, particularly in like once Uprising comes out. So I think Limited is really our bread and butter. Um, and I remember when Hayden did the Welcome to Wraith sort of draft draft archetype videos. I think we can expect more of that as Uprising comes out. And that's sort of the, in my opinion, that's like the gold standard of limited content. I loved it, even though I had literally nothing to do with it, which is why I can, I can shill it like that. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Definitely more of that to come. Um, limited is, is awesome. And I'm excited for what Uprising is going to bring. For sure. 
Uh, I just want to, before we run out of the news as well, just wanted to give a quick shout out because I just was looking through the the article, like the, the recap of the weekend that's just been, and there was also a battle hardened in Taiwan. There's also a blitz and a, um, a class constructed. And I did want to shout out to uh, Limbo as well because he always seeing this name come up, you know, playing, he's a Viserai master. I think one in the end, like two or three um ProQuest, calling them road to this road to nothing to ProQuest. So I uh, just just shout out there as well. Well, we did this last week. This is the in the comment section. This is the chance for us to look back on last week's episode. And uh, you know, we always get feedback. We always get comments, good, bad, otherwise, <laughs> in the YouTube uh, comments or on Twitter. So it just gives us an opportunity to you know reflect on this. And I think the first one, the funniest one, Brenton, is that uh, LSS said, hold my bear when it came to our limited speculation because as yes. soon as we had dropped that podcast, <laughs> LSS officially announced Uprising, gave us an indication of what uh, what we were to expect. The first look was uh, Icelander. We got a first look that we were going to get an adult version. Um, and this is this is where we're at. So LSS literally said, hold my bear to us, Brennan. How do you feel about that? I think that it's pretty par for the course at this point. Like, uh, it's not super often that we release the podcast and then they, they, you know, they sort of, they come out with the info right after, but they have released info during the podcast shortly after the podcast, um, many times we have actually gone back and recorded quite a few intros, I think at this point, um, to sort of recapture some of that, some of the information that sort of gets published on the website at maybe the time that shouldn't have been published a little bit later than we expected or just randomly. But yeah, I'm used to it at this point. <laughs> uh, it's not the first time, is it? So um, no, Definitely it's uh, <laughs> limited in general. We did talk last week, a full podcast about the future of limited in general. A lot of people agreed with us that they'd like to see more limited sets. They would like to see limited not be forgotten about. As much as we have a very big constructed player base out there, we do also have a very big limited player base and people enjoy limited. I think people want to see a better seal format, but people really enjoyed the draft format and people are looking for more opportunities to get that. So that was the general feedback that I saw over the week. And uh, you know what? Couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, we got, uh, we got what we wanted, right? So Uprising on the Horizon looks... Ah, uh, gosh. This is the hard part of it, about introducing stuff in these sort of earlier sections. I'm always ready to just go on a tangent and go deep into like <laughs> what got released. But it looks cool. Um, you know, we have the Draconic talent. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it looks like a ninja and illusionist, but oh, there I go. There I go. Getting ahead of myself. <laughs> well, that's okay. The last thing I saw from in the comment section was that uh, just this, we talked a little bit about Blitz versus Class Constructed and, you know, where it kind of sits in terms of the, uh, like the, the skill versus luck spectrum. And there was a great comment here about Blitz being more punishing than Class Constructed in terms of the, the shortness of the game and the ability for you to impact the game and that your decisions still matter. They just matter in a shorter period of time and over less decisions, right? So you might have bigger decisions. Just, I think it's a real, a real generalization, but I think it's something that's important to understand around. Blitz isn't, you know, a luck-based format. It isn't a higher, um, a less skill-intensive format, I think, in so many ways. It really depends on each of the individual games, the the decks, the classes being played. And I thought that was a just a great comment from in the comment section there. So anyway, Brendan. Let's get into it. Shrimp on the Barbies, right? We're back in Australia. We got out of New Zealand. We played those hard armories, played a few pro quests, but we're back. We're back in the land down under, and it's time for those shrimpies on the Barbies. Those That Vegemite. Vegemite sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. In the land down under. This question this week, Aquaman Cookout question comes from um, 
our Discord from this is an interesting name, Jizzus. This is the problem with like Discord names and stuff is that people have these in names and I never know. That was my these, nickname uh, in high school, actually. Funny what's enough. that? Uh, what you just said. That was my nickname in high school. That was your nickname, was it? Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> asking with today's ban announcements, do you think Kasai rises to the top in Blitz? She had no hits to her list, and everyone else around her had their power reduced. Great question. You know, uh, we've been huge, huge advocates of playing Kasai and Blitz on this podcast. Uh, mm. We thought it was the best deck in oh, the yeah. format. No, we didn't. Uh, we both thought that Kasai was a bit underpowered, not really the deck to play in this last Blitz slash skirmish format. Uh, but great question. Kasai didn't get hit. That's very true. Does Kasai look good? I think Kasai does look good now. I think, you know, uh, Viserai is gone. I think Kasai really struggled into Viserai, now hit Living Legend. I think um, Kasai versus... Kano in particular was like, I, I'd rather be on the Kano side of that basically every day of the week. So I think that's good for Kasai. I, I think all the things that have happened, uh, Hard and Cross Trap is banned, the explosiveness for uh, these these powerful sort of like two turn, turn three decks, whether it be Reiner, whether it be Dash, whether it be the other things that are coming out of, you know, people's sort of lockers to play is, is now kind of quelled to some degree. And I think that's only good for Kasai. So... I think we could see Kasai be one of the better decks in the format. The problem, I think, for Kasai is going to be what do you do into Ultim? Um, what does that matchup look like? Because I think Ultim, well, with Viserai hitting out of the format, uh, with even like Kano getting this hit to stir, um, until we hit Uprising, what do you do into that into that matchup? Because Ultim can afford to be a lot more defensive now than it did uh, previously. And that's I don't think that's a good thing for you. So, yeah, I think that's kind of where Kasai stands right now. Um, potentially one of the best decks in the format, but Ultim is going to be the one that you need to, to work on how you deal with and, and what your plan is in that matchup. Yeah, I mean, what would they hit? That sucked. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I, it just, I, yeah, it I just, don't think it was good. It just, it, it just did not compete in the same universe as like these other decks like Viserai and even Reinar and um, Kano. If Blitz becomes a very fair format, I guess, right? It definitely has to extend in turns, I feel like. Um, We'll see, right? It does. It does have some powerful things going on, right? With the blood in her hands, the mentor. If you get it on turn zero, it's pretty powerful. Um, but yeah, I mean, Olden is Olden sticking around, so we'll see. Uh, what do you think about the Ry uh Gosh, we talked about this in bands. Reinar's kind of ability to compete now that a hardened cross up is gone, because that would have been one of the decks I would have looked at almost immediately. Yeah. Well, tell you what. I think that's in the Commander Cookout section. If you do want to get your questions in for the Commander Cookout, you can tweet at us, drop it in the comments, let us know it's for the Commander Cookout. You can send us an email at arsenalpassfab at gmail.com. Send a postcard. Don't have a physical address, but you can just take a picture of it, I guess. Um, but, Brendan, let's just get straight into main topic one, which is banned and suspended. And, uh, yeah, Hard and Cross Rappers banned? Yes, banned hmm. and Blitz. Why don't we just start with Blitz? We're talking about Blitz already. Sure. We can come back to Class Constructed. And we can talk about, you know, a deck like Reiner. Where does that sit right now? Because I agree. Uh, I th felt Reiner was, was quite strong. Um, but, you know, Viserai wasn't an amazing matchup, especially as these decks tuned and tweaked and were killing on turn two very consistently. So, Blitz, going to go through the announcement. The following heroes, uh, along with their weapon of now attained Living Legend, well, Viserai. Viserai won a number of, pro, um, of skirmishes this season, as well as Battle Hardens. And Nebula Blade. <laughs> it's brilliant, Nebula Blade. Can't oh, play damn. it. What am, um, what am I going to do without Nebula Blade and Blitz? Yeah, it's just funny to like, you know, to think that's the weapon that joins it now with Rosetta uh, Thorn, which is just funny. So um, the following changes are also effective uh, as of May 2nd. So rem reminder, if you are going to a 
Blitz Armory this week. These changes won't come into effect until next week, but Awakening is banned. So as it is in Classic Constructors, we'll talk about Awakening is banned. Hardened Cross Trap is banned. This is huge. Definitely want to talk about this one. Just going to go through the rest as well. Changes to the suspended list. Seeds of Agony moves from banned to suspended in Blitz uh, until Chain becomes Living Legend. Snapback is suspended until the next scheduled announcement following the conclusion of Skirmish Season 5. That's really interesting. So we know mm-hmm. now know when Skirmish Season 5 is going to be as well. Uh, no, sorry. That was Skirmish Season 5, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Was I it? think so. I mean, you're asking the wrong No, no, person. it's not. We haven't... No, we just finished Skirmish Season 4. So we have Skirmish Season 5, which is about to come hot on the heels. So these bands are basically f- for the season is what it feels like to me, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Sonata Arcanics is suspended until the next scheduled announcement at the following mm-hmm. the uh, conclusion of Skirmish Season 5, as is to the 8th one suspended. And from June 24th, so quite a way away, but Uprising release date, Stubby Hammer is his band. What does that tell you about uh, Uprising, my friend? Uprising has a ninja in it that does broken things with Stubby Hammer. I don't know. We we have reason. Probably. Yeah, yeah, I know. Probably, right? So I can tell you one other thing that's for sure is that whatever wizard cards are coming out of uh, Uprising are just busted with Snapback and Stir the Eighth Wind. Stir the Eighth Wind, I guess it kind of makes sense, right? Like Stir is somewhat limiting on the format because Kano can take you down to that critical life life uh, sort of life threshold and then kill you with damage that you can't block. It gets more interesting when we talk about Snapback. <laughs> so Snapback is a bit of a... It's an interesting card design because I think that it limits design to, in a sense, right? You basically get to double spell without working for it. And usually Kano or Wizards, they have to kind of... <laughs> Wizards, mostly just Kano, right? Kano has to sort of work to to play two spells in a turn, and Snapback subverted that. Um, was it overly powerful? I don't think so, right? Like, it, it wasn't abusive. If you, were, if you were to come up to me and say, hey, we need to sort of tone down um, Kano's power level in Blitz, what card should we, should we ban? My first, my first, uh, my first reaction wouldn't be snapback, right? So I think there's going to be some, some interactions coming in Uprising that... Uh, would break either just snapback or snapback and uh, stir the eighth wind, but it's a heavy hit. Like they would, this is this hurts as a Kano player. As someone who's looking at Kano once uh, Viscerai came out of the format, um, not great, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I so I kind of disagree. I don't think this is for Uprising in particular. I mean, it could have that splash effect, but Stubby Hammer is banned from the release date of Uprising. If these were Uprising, pretty much, you know, like preempting what's going to happen in uprising they would share the same date right surely that's where stubby hammer is is what i think this is is we see viscera move into living legend we see uh hardened cross trap get banned we see um sonata arcanics become suspended <clears throat> this to me what it is is hey let's slow the format down these are the things that we talked about a couple of weeks ago what can they do to uh, it was actually a commander cookout question what can they do next for blitz well we said you know slow the format down is one of the things they could try and do but it would take probably quite a few bans and changes this to me looks like exactly what they're trying to do here. Slow the format down. You take out the most explosive piece of equipment in the form of Hardened Cross Trap because, you know, I guess Viscerai's gone and Sonata actually gets hit as well. So I guess that, that combination piece isn't there anyway. Um, and then Snapback and Stir. So the reason for Stir, Stir forked, right? You can have easy turn two kills with that. But Snapback with like Aether Wildfire or like these big turns, right? That's that's kind of like why I think they hit Snapback now is like Snapback is quite powerful with those kind of effects and can lead to some really explosive when you're starting on like 15 20 life depending on what hero you're on i actually think that's why it's been hit is this mm-hmm. is all in an effort to slow down the format as because we're about to get skirmish season five and we actually get some details here because in the little you know we get a little bit of a, a denim down the bottom skirmish season five is scheduled to conclude on august 22nd so we know that um we get uprising and then we get another skirmish season following uprising 
so you know what? I think it could be both. I think it could be uprising is the reason that these wizard cards get hit, but also just the fact that in the meantime, <clears throat> quite powerful in Kano, and they're trying to slow yeah. the format down. So Stir is an interesting one um, in particular because I understand sort of the level one thinking that would go into banning Stir, right? It's usually the key combo piece that lets you kill an opponent from a life threshold. They can't interact, et cetera, et cetera. But it's also sort of Kano's tool to get around Melrune 4 and just like annoying, non-interactive block fatigue, just like dumb strategies. <laughs> so I just wonder if like that matchup sucks now um, until we get maybe cards in Uprising that help fix that. I haven't played a lot of Kano since, you know, Aether Wildfire, obviously extremely powerful card, was introduced into the pool. But um, yeah, Stir being gone does concern me a little bit for sort of Nullrune 4, um, potentially Nullrune 5 decks that are just going to kind of fatigue you out. Because in Blitz, you're spoiled for armor, but you're not spoiled for deck slots, right? So you can't can't really tech your deck too much to beat one hero, but you can definitely have uh, most of the armor pieces you could want. Yeah. So I do just want to talk about the rest of the cards and then just get some general thoughts on what this means for the Blitz format. So Awakening Band, I mean, personally, I think this is... I think it's fine. I think it's probably a good thing to do. Uh, that card is also banned in Class Constructed, and the reasoning that they're giving for the ban of Awakening is the ability for this one card to basically be a one-card pivot, right? Which is, yep. I agree. Hardened Cross Trap. That was the one that probably surprised some people, uh, along with maybe Snapback, uh, Hardened Cross Trap being banned. Uh, having played this last Blitz format, it got to the point of the format being becoming so fast because of the power level we're seeing, is that, like, to me, unless you had something like a, a Scalata as your chess slot, it, I think you just had to play hard on cross trap. It just is energy potion and a piece of equipment. And when you're in a two turn game, starting the game with energy potion in play, that is huge when you're trying to do mm -hmm. these big 30 damage turns. So uh, I think all the decks bar one that I played in the skirmish season uh, played hard on cross trap. And do um, you know what? To be honest, that deck maybe could have tried to play like a Vest of the First Fist or I, actually yeah, I so played Aether Iron Weave in some slots. Yeah, I'm wondering if like Vest of the First Fist is uh, sort of the equipment that replaces that or Blood Drop Arcade and maybe some other decks. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it is very explosive, right? Like you said, it's almost exactly an energy potion on a piece of equipment. Not quite, but close enough. And it did unlock yeah. a lot of those sort of turn one, turn two kills from decks that weren't Viscera. You know, like Reinar may be less consistent, but definitely could completely kill you on turn one or turn two. Turn two, yeah. Turn two very easily. Like five cut hand, you get to Blood Rush Bellows, and then you get to, if you've got, I mean, barraging beat down plus then coming with uh, an eight attack in the form of swing big or bear fangs like you were just you're just killing people like it's pretty it's pretty massive when you're coming in for 24 damage uh on turn two and that's regardless of if you did anything on turn one so yeah pr pretty huge i think that makes a lot of sense and i think the cool thing as well is that although i think hard and cross trap was really this great piece of like budget equipment that made the blitz format more enticing you do have some suitable replacements you have this the first which you, you just talked about if you're playing a rune blade you have aether iron weave uh, you have Blood Drop Brocade, which I actually think is a card we might see a bit more play. Because even if we are in a format that's a bit slower, do you get the value out of Tunic? Are you always getting to turn three? Mm, it's going to be the I question, think I think. So. so maybe, maybe Tunic, like maybe you've got both in your loader and you get to play Blood Drop versus like more aggressive decks or if you're trying to be super aggressive. But that card's really interesting to me as well. Um, so you have you have options, which I think is cool. Yeah, I mean, like Dash is like virtually untouched, right? Like Hardened Cross Up hits Dash, but not as badly. And they vest. Yeah, you can totally play Vest in that deck. So I think that that dash deck is virtually untouched, which is pretty crazy because that deck was very powerful. Some might say Vest is better if you're trying to play Overblast because you don't want to break the chain to weapon, crack your boots, then Overblast. Mm -hmm. You want to just like be able to do that instant speed, So which is what Vest allows you to not break the chain. So 
yeah, could even be basically just a sidestep, which is really cool. Um, Seeds of Agony moves from suspend uh, from ban to suspended until Chain achieves Living Legend. I, I think that's cool. I think that points towards the future of this yeah, game. Obviously, it doesn't tell you anything. It, <laughs> nah, I mean, it tells you we're going to get a, a, a Shadow Runeblade shortly, what right? The Dude, <laughs> at some point, can you can you imagine? No, can you imagine uprising? There's another Runeblade. Just can you imagine? People would lose their minds. Of course, minds. I can imagine. That'd be it whole, I know, <laughs> dude. It'd be whole. That would be so funny. I just like, oh my god. I hope. I, I really like. I was joking that I wanted another Rune Blade out of Uprising, and now uh, there's nothing more that I want because I just can't imagine the, the community response to getting another. Because every Rune Blade they printed, um, other than Visrae, obviously, has just been so dominant. <laughs> yeah. It looks like we're just getting three heroes, and um, we'll talk about what that looks basically confirmed shortly. But I do think supplemental. We got another supplemental set coming. From, I would. I. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think LSS have this ability to chop and change the way that they're printing to some degree, especially with the use of supplemental sets. So you know, we've just if we have say Viserai just achieved Living Legend, right? The first the first hero ever to achieve Living Legend is Viserai. Let's not forget that. Uh, it is in Blitz, sure, but it's the first hero to achieve Living Legend. What does that mean? Uh, what if Chain, for instance, was to hit Living Legend sometime soon? Are they ready to drop into a supplemental set, um, another Shadow Rune Blade? I, I think they could be. And I think the reason for these, basically, this is just quality of life and just tying things up, preparing for the future. This is like getting your ducks in a row. Okay, here's the spinner list. We've announced it. Now, the next ban in Suspended, we're moving Seeds of Agony from that ban to the Suspended because we think the card is an issue because of Chain, not because of the card itself. They're clearly saying that. So, yeah, I think it's just when we get this next Shadow Room Blade, I think it could be potentially the supplemental set at the end of this year. Could not be. Could be next year. Could be the end of next year. Could be the year after. Who knows? But they're they're setting up for it. I think is the main thing. Yeah. Um. So zooming out, just kind of from a macro perspective, these these blitz ban the the blitz banning. Oh, one more. One more. Oh, we got one more. It's not Arcanics. It's not Arcanics. Suspended until the next announcement. So not any particular hero tied or anything. Just the next announcement. So. Scalata remains, but and so, so what would you do with Scalata and Sonata without Viserai in the format? I think there's still things. I think you could play like Briar, for instance, with Revel and Rune Blood, and still have this ability to have a pretty powerful deck. I think that can abuse Scalata and potentially Sonata. Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting that they're moving Sonata to suspended. I, I would expect to see this potentially at some point unsuspended. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one. Cool hand as well. Very powerful. Yep. Um, yeah, like. Scalata, Cool Hand, Rivalin Rune Blood, uh, chuck in a Ninth Blade and a Sonata in your Briar deck, and you've potentially got something that's really powerful. Maybe less consistent, sure, but still really powerful, right? I believe for sort of getting rid of Sonata, they just cited that the card is too efficient, right? Like zero, mm -hmm. uh, like zero cost, get, a, get an additional card, so replace, and do an arcane damage, um, and satisfy, of course, the non-attack action clause that all these Rune Blades, well, most of these Rune Blades have. I guess Chain kind of doesn't have it as much. So just yeah, maybe a little bit high, too high value. <laughs> just that exchange right there. It's not even the sort of combo-esque issues. Yeah. Yeah, they said, you know, a card that reduces the starting life total by effectively 5% for no cost. I'd argue there is a cost because you can definitely whiff on Sonatas, but I understand where they're coming from, especially when you're doing things like uh, no longer triggering a Viserai trigger, but, you know, uh, half an embodiment of lightning for mm -hmm. Briar. Um, you've got a plus one to a Rift Bind, which they do point out in Chain. So, that, you know, and Bounty Demigod, there's all these things that it does uh, does do. So I, I think it makes sense. I'm glad it's suspended and they might revisit it though, because um, I think that's a cool designed card. It's just, you know, is it a bit, a bit good? Maybe. 
<laughs> All right. So now zooming out. Um, Do it. Yeah. So I just want to talk about like all the bannings in context like what do you think mm -hmm. right are you i'm kind of impressed like i think that they are this is actually going to affect the blitz format which is like yeah brendan of course that's what it's supposed to well we've had quite a few bannings in the past that haven't done so much <laughs> you know some that were not as effective as we we wanted them to be and i think that this is going to drastically change the blitz format like looking at blitz I'm not sure what hero I want to play. I'm kind of look. You know, initially, I'm like, ah, maybe dash, right? But you know, if the format does slow down enough, people are like, oh, my Kasai is going to be good. I mean, Ira could come back. Like, um, there's a lot of opportunity. Definitely, I, I think so. Had we just had this right hit living legend, I think I would have said, well, what's the most explosive deck in the format post that? Like a Reinar or a dash or. Um, maybe Ultim is just the best deck, whatever it might be. But then oh, Kano, Kano might have just been the best option, to be honest. Uh, but then they go and make these changes, right? Which I think is, yeah, I agree. It's done really well. It's going to freshen up the format. It reduces the explosiveness of the format overall. And I think that's clearly their intent. And they say that's their intent with Kano plus Hard and Cross Trap. Uh, and then soon to be Stubby Hammer, as I would imagine. Um, yeah, it says it's a combo piece that can enable an OTK deck to function. So I'm excited to see what that's going to be. Um, but yeah, I think this is, this is a good change. I think this is good for the health of the format. I think this is also really good for getting players into the game. I think oh, yeah. some players who are coming into the game and starting with Blitz were... You You did oh. this thing the other day, right? Yeah. You, everyone loved this. You got so much feedback for your... Uh, uh, you know, oh, you have this take back and then, uh, hey, I'm going to do this and come for 35 damage. People uh, apparently... Got, you got a few laughs. The first time people had laughed at something you said, Brennan, so feel good about that one. I mean, that was just a very real scenario, I think, for a lot of people. You're just like the nice guy you're teaching, and you just dunk on him with this fucking turn zero combo, no interactions. Like, thanks for playing, brah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm happy so they got rid of that. It was it, Blitz was just, jeez. I mean, it was fine. I mean, from a competitive standpoint, I actually, like, I, of course, I did say in the past, I think the competitive integrity of Blitz went down after Everfest. Nevertheless, I think if you're playing it at a competitive level, um, you know, there was still something there. But at a casual level... That's where it comes. I feel like that's where it really sucked because I feel like, uh, you know, this includes, of course, Kasai, but a lot of decks just couldn't even compete in the same freaking universe as Viscerai, right? Like they couldn't even yeah. function at the. It was, yeah. So I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, Viscerai's good, but then also the explosive. So, like, I played some Reiner in this Blitz format, you know, uh, turn one. I've got a blue, I've got two six attacks, and I've got Blood Rush Bellows. Uh, you know, play my Blood Rush Bellows, Intimidate one. I get to draw up two cards. I find a barraging beatdown and a bear things or a swing big. I get to come in for five and then five, and then I get to take the rest of their, you know, or five and then nine, because if they've blocked with the card, now I get to put them down to one card. They're taking six. They've already leaked, you know, eight damage, and then I'm coming in, I'm popping my Goliath Gauntlets in my heart and cross trap, and I'm coming in for an extra 10 damage. Like, my opponent's starting on like two or four life or something like that. You know, maybe maybe a bit more if they're using equipment. And then I'm just like, reckless swing. See you later. You know, like, yeah. It, it was like turn two and turn three kills were pretty easy with that deck as well. So the banning of Hard and Cross Trap, you have a Barkbone Strapping, which can replace that pretty quickly. But yeah, I think overall we're going to move from a turn two to three format to at minimum a turn four to five format. But the strength of old time and multiple proactive decks that can punish old time for just kind of dirtling around have kind of you know fallen by the wayside now. So what uh, my first impression is that old time is going to be quite strong. What, what would you what do you think? What yeah. do you do? It's Alton now. Like, what's your plan? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's like, uh, are there any sort of go wide decks? Um, but all time is actually good against go wide decks as a hero ability. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I honestly, I'd probably be looking at Reinar if I thought Alton was seriously going to be a problem. Because, like you said, mm -hmm. there is somewhat replacement 
uh, replacement level value out of Heart and Cross Trap, and you can also play Vest of the First Fist. Um, Reiner is quite good into all time, right? Yeah, you can also build it differently to be a bit less explosive. So yeah, that's pretty interesting. So we both think that, you know, Alton didn't get hit, right? So he looks pretty good. He was already good in the last format and he could play both proactively or defensively. You get now potentially a build that doesn't need to play as proactively. So does that increase the power? Maybe. It's still going to be good, I think, no matter what. And then you have, like you say, so we think Reinar can can still be good. I agree. You can also build it differently to be better into Alton, I think. What else? Kasai, right? We think Kasai can be, can be good. But if Ultim and Reiner are like the top two decks, this is just, you know, pure speculation on day one of this. Uh, I think Asai is still going to struggle a bit, to be honest. So do I. Uh, I I know Hayden can't see my camera because we're recording on uh, my system again, but I gave a little... he hates me. I gave a little uh, no shake of the head when you said Kasai might be good. I just don't think so. The I still think that Blitz will sort of be unfair because... Um, I mean, Reinar was pretty was pretty explosive, and so was Dash, right? Those were sort of turn two-ish decks. Um, not the same level as this, right? But they were getting close. So uh, it'll slow down. It will slow down. Um, to what effect? I don't know. I still don't think you can bring your, your, your pet decks to Blitz. Like, Blitz is super a super punishing format. It's very gatekeepy to decks that can't do, um, you know, very extreme things in either the aggro side of things or the defensive side of things. Yeah. So the other the other decks I'd like to talk about, I think Briar is potentially oh, yeah. in a really good spot. I played I played Briar in a skirmish last season. Um I had a lot of fun. I think it's it's powerful. The the issue I found was like I just didn't really want to play into Viscerai. But every other matchup I was enjoying playing. Like you still have one embodiment, you still have the ability to overcome decks like Ultim because of Channel Mount Heroic. Um I actually think that that deck is in a potentially really good spot. It just depends what other aggressive decks are out there and how you play into those. But that feels like that's potentially the kind of slightly slower aggro deck that can play well into a deck like Ultim, which is really interesting to me. Um, other than that, I mean, I honestly think it's pretty open. Like you just said, like it's gatekeeping these, these things. And I do agree, you do need to be able to be powerful to some degree. But if we think Ultim's going to be good and that's a slow, as a potential slow, you know, slower control deck, is that is that necessarily true? Is that necessarily how the format's going to go? I think you have to be able to do something really, really well. I think that's true. But I don't necessarily think it means that you can't go and find uh, yeah. more creative ways to do it. Like, could Lexi be, you know, playable? For instance, could Lexi be good in Blitz? Maybe. Yeah, I just think that like Rhino is just very much still on the menu, and it's a quite a good deck in the old time, especially the uh, defensive strategy. So it it yeah. should keep that in check, right? And maybe give us more of the same. But I mean, shit, I don't know, right? A lot can change. They banned so many cards. It's it's sort of going to be a wild world. Um, but definitely, I mean. Uh, tying this up, Oldham is the deck to beat. So if you're playing in a Blitz event or, you know, whatever, you're just interested, that should be what you have your sights set on if you want to try to win that event, in my opinion. Well, I'll tell you what, all of my kind of semi-fence sitting just there and maybe disagreeing with some of the things you said, I actually think Reinar's the deck to beat. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so I do think that Reinar is potentially the best deck, but I think that if you're trying to go win an event, the deck that I would be targeting... Um, and I guess there's, there's, yeah, there's a weird paradox here because yeah. saying it on the podcast probably increases the chance it's going to be Reinar to some non-zero extent, but there should be more Ultim than not because it was perceived to be one of the better decks, one of the top tier decks. And it, um, you know, it, it literally didn't get touched at all where, you know, Reinar has this, uh, it looks like Reinar got a nerf, right? Yeah, sure, sure. That, that's fair. I think the one thing with Reinar as well is I'm always like skeptical is like, am I just biased 
because obviously I really enjoy playing Reiner. I played it, a, you know, a reasonable amount during the skirmish season. Played it in, well, I played it in a skirmish, uh, and and managed to win. Like, is this is this a bias I have? Uh, but I think there was there was clearly results being put up by yes. a lot of players <laughs> on Reiner. It was the it tournaments was I was playing, dude. I lost my skirmish be- yeah, to that deck. I lost my skirmish to that deck, and then I beat that deck um, from the same pilot, by the way, in the the quarterfinals. After Battle he, Hardened, right? Yeah, after he was the number one seed. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that was it's it was, real. It was very real. Okay, let's move on to Classic Constructed. I think that's it's going to be really interesting. The the fact that we get to test this format, a fresh format for the callings, is really cool. I'm excited to do that after the Pro Tour, get in and, and find three decks that I think are worth playing. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Now, Classic Constructed, let's move on because this has big impact in the next coming weeks. Not just for the Pro Tour and for the calling at New Jersey, but also for ProQuest Season 2. And of course, we do get this early, but they aren't going to be effective until May 2nd, the changes, uh, even though we are getting these early, which is fantastic. Awakening is banned, first of all. Um, so no Living Legend for Star of the Show, as we knew was happening, and that's why this announcement has come early from LSS, and they've, they've said that, that they've brought it forward by a week. Uh, but the effective date does remain. Awakening banned uh, makes a lot of sense when you're not having Star of the Show go to Living Legend, but also Awakening is just like, it's... It trades like for some of the most explosive turns yes. that an opponent can have. All of a sudden, your opponent's like, "Okay, I outlay this twenty damage," and then you go, "Okay, they've swung tempo, but don't worry about that because I've got a two card hand that swings the tempo back for me, and I've just gone and got my uh, pulverize or my crippling crush, and I'm taking it right back from you, baby." <laughs> so yeah, not a fun card for sure. It's interesting because um, we actually talked on the pod, and maybe it was just me who said this, but I I'd been pretty vocal that I thought if they had banned awakening. It would have been probably one of the more misguided bans they could have made because Awakening by itself would not have been enough, right? It would have given okay. a- aggressive decks the opportunity to, to play into Starvo because that was very much negated by Awakening. But mm-hmm. um, in a vacuum, it wouldn't have been enough. It probably wouldn't have changed like anything. But we had another ban, Hayden. There's another ban. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the one thing I did want to say is I just, just quickly on Awakening is I think that. LSS have their finger on the pulse of this, which is is good to see, because they say they feel that Awakening is actually its worst in this current format where Star of the Shows have to optimize into Prism, which they were. That's what people were doing in the calling, right? We saw Michael not playing it in his deck. Uh, yes. Michael Hamilton, who wins the calling, and LSS acknowledged that they think that that's you know they understand that and they see that, but they still think Awakening is is too too good. It's too good at what it does and is going to be a problem further down the track. We so, should answer that think- actually too. Because that that's an interesting concept that came up um, in the Twitter space that we were talking about. So people are like, because they acknowledge it in the article as well. It's like, oh, well, the deck that won the calling uh, Indianapolis wasn't playing Awakening. Well, that, deck was, uh, that deck was built in the context of aggressive decks uh, getting steamrolled by the other Starvos, right? Um, yep. Like these, like Viserai had adjusted to play OTK versus Starvo, which assuming Awakening is not, was not a card, probably was not the best strategy i think if there was just no awakening you'd probably play an aggressive strategy into starvo as as viscerai um and just do a kind of like a mini combo or whatever so michael's deck i think in a world where awakening just doesn't exist at all would have had a pretty rough time um and even into like if you're not if you don't have awakening yeah it's 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 interesting concept because that that entire meadow i think it was uh it was warped around Awakening, so therefore yeah. you could have decks that don't play it, but they are, you know, sort of benefiting from uh, the card, even though it's not in the deck. Yeah, imagine if Michael uh, appears up against a Viscerai in the top eight, and that Viscerai player knows Michael's deck list now, knows he doesn't have Awakening. 
how does that change how that Viserai plays? Because Viserai would just traditionally in this format because of Awakening going OTK, got OTK, I can't, you know, Awakening, I can't play around it. But if the deck doesn't have Awakening, what does that change? So, yeah, I agree. Michael's deck was a response to the format and a very good meta choice in that. But Alatus acknowledged how powerful Awakening is. So I think good to yeah. that move. But like you say, not just that. And that wouldn't have been enough, right, to really shift the needle. But Autumn's Touch is suspended until Bravo Star of the Show becomes Living Legend. Seems innocuous, right? But this is nine cards that defend for three. Uh, the reds are a threat that you reveal with the star, star of the show ability. Obviously, yellow and, and blue uh, do the same if you need to in terms of being a threat. But also, they defend for three. They pitch. They're your earth cards. They're very powerful. That's nine earth cards, uh, at least six from all builds. But most people are getting towards playing the yellows as well. So nine, nine earth cards being ripped from your start of the show deck. Mm -hmm. So I think we can see sort of see the the forest through the trees as you know some people would say here. And that's that if Awakening is banned as well as probably the most efficient earth card that existed in that deck as a sort of fuse card that could also double as a threat and blocked well. What does that tell us, right? I think that sort of starts the narrative that aggressive strategies into Starvo, the floodgates are opened, right? Go ahead, try it. Uh you know he's his ability to resist that uh that game plan has been significantly uh hamstringed right yeah so i agree like it's a it's a defend the defend three you're taking nine defend threes out of the deck in a deck that on its off turns wants to be able to defend efficiently right like you have the shield you have like your boot slot whether it be for null rune or it be for like the iron hide plus then you have defense threes like you can get through an off turn with star of the show really well in these old builds uh putting aside awakening you know, so Alice's talk about Autumn's Touch. Uh, it's a measure to pull back the consistency and increase the deck's construction opportunities, uh, the opportunity cost of enabling Bravo's hero ability, which I agree, right? Now you have to play two defense cards as opposed to these three defense cards. Um, so they're very, very clear about this. Um, and it's like, the, also, I think the other thing is like Autumn's Touch is being played in, say, uh, Briar, right? The blue mm. version. But that's a pretty low opportunity cost to have to change that as opposed to these full nine cards being ripped out of the start of the show. So I think this is quite a smart banning um, in terms of like how impactful this is going to be. My initial thoughts is this is enough to, like you say, this plus Awakening is enough to enable aggressive decks to come back into the format and be able to play into star of the show and compete. Whether that means that they're favored or not, mm -hmm. they can compete, I think. Time will tell what that level is. Um, yeah. So I think that these two bannings combined are, are, quite, are quite smart, I think. Like, it, it gives enough, I think, for Star of the Show to still be playable, and we're still going to see it in Jersey, I think, and in ProQuest Season 2, uh, but not to the point of it being just the best deck in the format. Yeah, definitely, like you mentioned Briar there, but I think there is a somewhat significant collateral nerf here to Oldham, because um, mm -hmm. Oldham yeah. did, did like that sure. card. And actually played the yellows as well, even in the defensive ones, to sort of double hero ability. Um, so I think it's a significant downgrade for, for old him. Is it something that old Kim can navigate around? Yeah, probably. I, I think that old him will still be fine, but yeah, he gets hit a bit harder than Briar in my opinion. And, um, just something to think about yeah, as we head into the kind of the next format. Yep. Yeah. I, the, the splash effect is interesting because Ultim is like a, a deck where it's like, okay, in a prison meta, you don't want to play Ultim, right? But then these aggressive decks come back and you wanna you've banned cards like Plunder Run and stuff. Like is Ultim too good into aggressive decks? Like can any aggro decks actually get through Ultim? Well now you have like a slight splashed nerf to Ultim. Is it, like in my eyes it actually could be a really good thing, right? Ultim still seems viable. Uh Star of the Show still seems viable. But you you just get this little knock 
against what they can do into aggressive decks. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's going to be something that we expand upon more after we go through the rest of the cards. But trying to solve this this uh, upcoming meta is a bit like... Uh, like <laughs> I don't know, it's like yeah. so many different directions. We're like, well, if Prism, if the aggro decks come down, Prism goes down, but then Ultim goes up and Prism beats all, and it's like, oh god. So I feel it's going to be a tough one. That's to solve. good. Yeah, That's it's exactly good. exactly what you want from a mid-game. Yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good. Um, it, we'll but, talk about it, though, because is, it is yeah. interesting. Yeah, so, okay, so Awakening gets banned, Autumn Touch gets banned. Okay, what would be the what would be the, the potential best deck in the format? Was everyone worried about being the best deck in the format? Potentially, you know, already very, very good. Um, Nationals winning, you know, uh, combination here. You've got Bloodsheath Galata being suspended until Viserai becomes Living Legend. So the combo element of what Viserai can do with Sonata Arcanics and being, you know, a combo deck or a one-turn kill deck or whatever you want to call it, or just the explosive nature of being able to just Scalata for a 35 damage turn randomly in the middle of a game is now is now gone. Probably would have been default the best deck. Um, it... Uh... Similar to the conversation we had in Blitz, it was just doing things that uh, it was probably functioning not as design actually intended it to, um, to an extent, right? It's just super powerful, especially these like sort of mini combos. It can kind of just pull off randomly um, to do like, you know, 30 damage, things like that. So uh, um, luckily, this is one of the metagames that we tested for, right? Like not even test for Autumn's Touch being banned, but, you know, a Scalata, a Scalata ban plus... I guess we mostly tested for effectively a Starbo ban, which is not the case, but it's okay. Um, I do think it's the correct choice, right? I do think that Viserai would have been mm, quite uh, quite an easy pick, right? At least to have just like a super powerful deck, right? If you wanted to not do much testing and you just wanted to perform well, um, you got low-hanging fruit in that Viserai deck if Scalata hadn't been banned. Yep. Yeah, I think it's... Um, again, initial thoughts is that you still have really powerful elements of Viscera, right? Sonata, like, Sonata Canax is still there for whatever that's uh, still worth, just as a card. We know it's, it's now suspended in Blitz. Um, but you still also have all these other powers. Revel's still there, Gloomvale, these new tools that Viscera has and uh, the other Runeblades have. Like, those two tools in particular, I think, work really, really well in Viscera, more so than Briar or Chain, uh, in, in my opinion. So you still have access to those those cards. So what does Viscera look like now? Still, to me, feels like it's going to be able to compete. still going to be uh, a, a good Runeblade. To what extent without this ability to have these massive explosive turns is now chain just a better option is briar a better option for whatever reason i think it's going to be metagame dependent and it's going to be dependent on the builds that people come up with but i think um scalata once you hit awakening autumn's touch once you do this to start the show you're already changing the format i think scalata had to go so it makes sense you know I'll, oh i tweeted out i paid paid homage to uh scalata i retweeted the uh video post my nationals you remember this video the animation mm, video the finals the animated finals of the australian nationals go and check it out on twitter if you haven't great video <laughs> i wish that uh the person that made that made more videos because it was I agree super high quality i love it so good so good lastly uh as it is with blitz seeds of agony is being moved from the band to the suspended list uh, until Chain Bound by Shadow becomes Living Legend. Again, just to me, this is lining up for future, which makes a lot of sense. Oh my god, I hope that there's a Runeblade in Uprising. Um, so let's talk about let, let, let's talk about this. Starva, right? Like that's uh, we're gonna see the I think a lot of people see these bands, and probably one of the biggest mistakes you can make is thinking that Starvo is nerfed to a degree where he's maybe closing in on tier two, which is I don't think is true, right? Uh, we're talking about probably what would be considered an S tier deck, 
just better than every other deck to an extent. Um, that did have a significant nerf, but is still doing some kind of almost like fundamentally unfair things. Um, and that gameplay pattern definitely still exists. Uh, it might be a bit more random and a bit more variable to an extent, but I still think Star Wars is Star Wars, uh, definitely a deck to beat, right? Um, I don't think it's as oppressive as it used to be, but that's, I don't, I think writing it off quickly is a big mistake. On top, I think that well, this is a good concept because I think the biggest mistake uh, or kind of the biggest trap uh, that can happen when there's an announcement like this is that you take these things and you do exactly that, right? Um, you sort of immediately write off some of the heroes. Yeah, immediately yeah. write off, like, Visser, like Viserai, right? We're like, oh, Viserai lost Galata. It was so critical to a lot of things we were doing. I mean, Viserai still with like Malvern Skies and Shrill Skullhorn, like those cards are really powerful. And of course, Revel as well. Um, so I think the Viserai is still a very legit deck. The question you have to ask with Viserai is, okay, what do I expect at the tournament? Because I no longer have this like uh, sort of backup OTK package. I have to find a way to play a mid-range or aggressive strategy into something ultra-defensive like Oldham. And then also, am I just faster than the other aggro decks? Because Viserai was just faster than the other aggro decks i think in these in these previous formats um or sorry in this previous format but um now it's a question right are you faster than chain are you faster than briar um or even freaking bolts and sabers i guess yeah it's, it's a question you gotta ask but i think the deck is still very very real very legit um and yeah i mean you probably just slot in a tunic or a aether iron weave in that chest slot yeah i i agree so it becomes basically probably probably something similar to what we saw at B prior to um I guess prior to like in Vegas, right? We saw some Viscerai show up and they were just they were mm. aggressive decks. They were trying to utilize the ability of Rune Chance to leak damage through like two sources of damage that are really hard to deal with. And now you have new tools in the form of Revel and uh, Gloomvale, like I said before. Um so I think there's changes there. The the star of the show side of it, right? On the flip side of that, yeah, the consistency is is maybe hit, but more so because you can go and replace those Earth cards like for like. But what you get hit with is, like we said before, these cards that don't don't do as good a job because they don't defend for three. Is basically what you're losing here, right? Plus now, doors open for aggressive decks. What does that mean? And I think that's the place that everyone's going to start is like, how good is Star of the Show? Um, how good is this right now? And then like, what do these aggressive decks look like in the format? And um, to me, it feels like initially, at least it feels like really open. Like there's a lot of options. Yeah. Um, so let's dive into that. Let's dive into this open meta, right? So we're going to play some 3D chess for a sec, right? All right. Um, let's do it. Okay. So Starvo sort of fades out. What is the, what's the deck? What's the next deck in the context of sort of the most recent data we have, the past meta, what's the next deck? Well, it's, Viscerai and Prism. Viscerai took a significant hit. So Prism, Prism, like that deck didn't get touched. It's doing fundamentally powerful things. Why is that not the best deck? So it's opinion based, right? But you can go test it. You can go play your little Prism or a deck into a chain or whatever aggressive strategy you want. Tell me how it goes because my experience is that it's not great, right? Um, that Prism deck, especially that build, I don't think we'll be able to compete at a very high level in the upcoming Pro Tour. Do I think that Prism can't compete? Not necessarily, right? I think that you can change the deck. There's a you got a lot of powerful tools in Everfest, and maybe you have sort of an amalgamation of Herald Prism and Aura Prism, um, maybe transformational. Who knows? That can perform really well. My thoughts is that Prism, now that the sort of 
power level of the game has creeped a little bit with some of these cards um, that were introduced in Everfast or even in some of the expansions before that. And I think the Prism has to probably do one thing on either either side of the extreme. It's either going to be Ultra Herald Aggressive Prism or um, Aura Prism. I'm not really considering like a fatigue or whatever or anything like that, but that's a legitimate thing to think about. Um, so I think this sort of in the middle, trying to have the best of both worlds might not be there, but again... I don't have the data on that. I'm not 100% sure, but I do think uh, the core point here is that the Prism deck that we saw of last meta, as LSS sort of weaves this narrative with the bands that the floodgates are open for aggro, that is not the deck. <laughs> That's not the deck, right? And it's not because the power level went down. It's because that deck preyed on a meta, and that meta seems like it's going to be different, right? It seems like it's gone. Yeah. I think Prism is powerful. I think we've seen... Time and time again. So if you go back to like Prism's inception, right, around that, the, like when it came out with Monarch, is that chain was so dominant. Uh, Prism had maybe like a good week one and then had a terrible like road to nationals. But then it became one Las Vegas, right, through a combination of of kind of being sidelined a little bit, a new build that people were playing in this lot more defensive build. Um, and it was actually the fourth most played deck in, in Vegas. And then it comes through. Has... Kind of like a, a mediocre time after that is kind of seen as unplayable in the briar meta because it just cannot be briar and then it goes and wins new zealand nationals right because it preys on the meta that's preying on the meta right and then you come into this new format where they've got new tools and star of the show is popular and you've got this build this aura build you're talking about that's particularly you know seems like it's the best way to play into star of the show just given how powerful that ability is so yeah it does seem like initially okay you take away star of the show's potency to some level but what, I think what you've got to remember, right, about like where Prism sits is that I think Star of the Show is still going to show up. It's still a deck. Mm -hmm. Like, at, at least initially, that's how I feel before we get into like any sort of depth of testing is that it feels like it's still a deck, right? So there's still a place for, but there's still a place for Prism. But if I can't be starving with my aggro deck because if I can, right. then that's real bad for Prism, right? It's not about so like. There's so many questions. Exactly. Yeah, there's so many questions, right? <laughs> yeah. It's not about like, star is Starvo playable or not playable? It's like, can other strategies be Starvo? Because before, the answer was kind of no, right? And that's why we mm -hmm. played this like very greedy prison build. Like that prison build, like it did feel like you were sort of gem formatting your way to kind of try to win the tournament because you didn't want to pair it into like these random aggro decks. Like it was really kind of that bad. It was a terrible matchup. Um, so yeah, like you said, I think that it's totally a deck, but it just depends how much people end up on aggro I, I love the psychology behind what will what will influence the meta for pro the pro tour because there has to be some sort of consensus level best deck right or deck consistently right we're not going to all show up on different decks we're not it's like oh this team's on dorinthia that team's on levia this team's on that like there's going to be some sort of trend towards the middle where there will be this i don't know what looks to be best deck and how you target that I have no idea. And what that deck is, I also currently have no idea. Cause like, like we talked about here, there's this sort of like circular way of looking at the current meta and how we expect it to sort of shape at like level one. Um, and it is a bit of a triangle. It's a bit rock, paper, scissors -y, right? I, I'm not sure. I, I, in other formats, yeah, I would say that's probably true, but let's take an example, right? You get Everfist release. And it's a supplemental set, so no new heroes are really introduced. Actually, you know what? Let's scrap that. Let's go back to Road to Nationals. Week one, Road to Nationals. Monarch's just been released. Uh, even before Road to Nationals, go back to the ProQuest. There was a ProQuest in Auckland uh, at the Calling. <clears throat> this is like three or four weeks after Monarch's release. 
that was quite a perceived wide open meta. People had started to talk about the power of chain. There was a lot of prism because people thought that was powerful. But like the like the mid sort of section, there was a lot of decks around that kind of like ten to twelve percent representation mm. mark. That's because people didn't know what the format looked like. And you could say that well, you know, coming off the back of the last format, um, Dash was the like the best deck, or, or like Katsu was really good, whatever it was, right? But you get the set that changes everything, and you don't have that this time. But what you do have is you have a banner suspended announcement, which takes the, the top deck in the format, pegs it down, lets these other decks that have been really, really squashed down and being almost unable to be played, gives them a, a, a bump in the ability. And then also you have this other deck that's really untouched, but now the deck that it preyed on has been bumped down. What does that mean? I think what it all means is that actually you might have this idea of like a best deck that people are going to target, but you also might not because the format might be really open and people don't have enough time to respond to that. The first event that comes on the back of this announcement is the Pro Tour and then the calling. So it might not happen. It might be that yeah. this event is actually really open. I think that's what LSS wants to see as well. So It's interesting because I think I might have just like explained my point incorrectly because I actually agree with you more than the, the kind of point you're countering against, right? Which I think I may have just sort of mixed up my words and said it wrong like it's just the rock paper scissors thing i think at the end is that like i get the idea that there's there's like a it's like it's not even rock paper scissors at that point right it's like this idea of like we're trying to form a rock paper scissors meta but people don't know they show up with the deck and they don't know if they're playing the rock the scissors or the paper like that's almost what it is it's like that's what it feels like it could be uh you have this idea of like okay maybe starvo is still like the rock maybe prism is still the scissors but hold up people aren't playing paper people are playing like cardboard i don't know like do you know what i mean like, there's there's these things that can come into it that we don't really know what the extent of that's going to be yet because everyone's testing is going to be different so you could say okay <clears throat> some people are just going to pick up star of the show some people are just going to pick up prism and play those decks and, and there's some tweaks and they look a little bit different and that'll probably happen right but realistically like how much of the meta is that going to be at this point those people who just just don't really test too much else they go like these are the, the heroes i'm playing what maybe like 15 20 percent of the meta and more people might end up on those things because they tested and realized that like yeah prism's still great or like star of the show barely got nerfed whatever it is like those things could happen right but the people who are truly just saying like i'm playing these for x reason of like these are the the things i want to play or these are the things i had success with in the last season it's gonna be quite small so yeah it really opens it up to what people could play people who played you know 80 percent of the people who played prism to qualify for this pro tour could be on other decks same with star of the show and that's that's crazy to think i don't think you'd have that yeah had we had no change in this meta, for instance. Oh, that's wild. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with that. So when I talk about rock paper scissors, it's more about transposing like last meta's data and just like the oh. the super level one, right? Where there's like this aggro yeah. that plays into this and is bad into prism and prism is good into that. Um, but how to like how do we predict Pro Tour New Jersey Hayden? Like, what are they gonna what's gonna influence it, right? Because there's 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 definitely an idea here where it's like okay everybody's just kind of sort of be siloed and they figure out their own stuff like that's i don't think that's gonna happen i think that's impossible there's gonna be some coalescence of ideas and some sort of just you know community perception like this deck is really good right and yeah how does that happen first of all because we're not going to have an event um is it an influencer is it a podcast is it a twitter space like who's gonna sort of you know, put this together uh, and sort of get everybody to kind of get on that train, whatever deck it might be. Yeah. I've, I've no idea what it is. Um, and it's, it's one of the most important factors, right? Because we don't know what the best deck is, but you know what I know less than that is what deck to target. The deck that's that's right, the invite right. least is like what deck to target exactly. So and let, so we don't have to go too deep on that because I know it's a bit funky. But I want to ask you, I want to ask you this, Hayden. 
how do you what's the most successful way to approach pro tour in new jersey is it to play a deck that you think targets the deck that you think people will be on because of speculation or is this one of those tournaments where you just play the most powerful deck um whether it's public knowledge or not because you need consistency in a diverse field where people could be playing tons of stuff the last one by far and away it's play the most proactive uh, most explosive most powerful deck because the meta is unknown i think if, if i had a choice if someone if someone lined up and said okay pro tours this weekend here's five decks uh we think that this deck is going to be these top three decks here are going to be like quite rough represented uh, and this is their matchups and you know they give me all the information and then they they go like yeah and here's like this deck which we think people somewhat know about it's going to be represented but it's like just the most just the most powerful proactive plan of these five decks i'm just picking that deck and playing it because i don't know what people are going to show up with i don't know what plans people are going to have for what deck i might play if i went and played uh say i just decided to play star of the show because through my testing i find that that's the most consistent still it still has power it's still just a good deck to play i know people are going to have a plan for that and people are going to target it because it's a known quantity right so now i have to start thinking about what are the plans people are going to come up with Whereas, you know, maybe there's uh, another prison build that you find and it's just like super proactive, does a really good thing. Um, people have kind of, maybe it's gone off the radar uh, or maybe it's a Runeblade. Maybe there's a, maybe like Briar becomes like really good. I think Briar gets a bump for sure. Maybe that as a proactive plan is just now really good. Well, that's like a really good option to play, I think. So that kind of, that, if you gave me the option of just like the, the strong proactive deck into an unknown field, I want that. That's the thing I want to play because I'm asking the question. I'm not trying to answer all these questions I show up to the Pro Tour with a bunch of answers in my pocket and I don't even know the question people are going to ask. Yeah. Whereas if I get to show up with the question, people have to find those answers. I think that's the place I want to be. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, like, I think if we if we had another tournament in the future that was uh, a similar scenario, right? Like we had sort of a, a shakeup that was quickly before, um, you know, not too long before the tournament, uh, we could reference this this current situation and then kind of extrapolate what happened from there but right now that like it's so unknown there's like nothing that's even close <laughs> in terms of like data and trying to figure out what's going to happen like we can't pull on i don't think i feel like there's almost nothing to pull on right it's wild i have no idea sort of what to do and i'm in i'm in uh, as a result i have the same thought uh sort of thoughts that you do right is that i want to play the most proactive good against like freaking everything just like does kind of unfair stuff dunks on things that aren't prepared for it um hmm. linear strategy like linear deck does that deck exist though uh, i don't know <laughs> that's, i don't know let's find out we've got a couple of weeks let's find out all right brendan well that's the banned and suspended formerly restricted announcement and uh we're definitely going to see some impact on the pro tour the calling and of course pro quest season two which is going to come off the back of the calling actually it's that weekend so you know, people might have some day one decks from the Pro Tour to quickly adapt to, and I think we'll see the meta shape up pretty quickly. But yeah, it's going to be interesting two weeks in the lead up, the discourse around what people, you know, what we're hearing and what you know, what people are saying is going to be really interesting as people get into testing. So um, stay tuned, I would say. All right. Hey. All right, Brendan, before we get through to the end of show procedures, main topic two, Uprising. Just want to go through this. We, we're we going to spend more time on this, no doubt, as we head uh, towards previous season but just now we've already had some announcements from lss we we know that we're getting the set on june 24th we know we're getting the pre-release the weekend before and on june uh, 11th that weekend we do have the world premiere which is happening as i said in those three places sydney madrid and uh out to las vegas which i'm sure you'll be at brennan what we know so far well we've already been we've already been shown three heroes we've been shown uh, we know um 
Iceland is going to be in there. We also know that we're going to get uh, Faye and Dromai. So these are draconic heroes. Uh, what we know about that so far is very little. We just have seen that. Uh, actually, do we, even, we don't even know necessarily that they are draconic, right? We've just seen the imagery and they look like they're very draconic. They look quite draconic. It's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think you could have reasonably assumed the illusionist is based off the Marvel, but uh, yeah. Yes, because we've seen the, the, the ally, the dragon ally Marvel, right? Yep. Exactly. Yeah, it's a draconic illusionist thing. Yeah. So we don't know anything more about this. We don't know how the draconic illusionist creates this. All we know that it's called uh, Dracona Optimi, and it's um, it's a big dragon. It's an ally. It has six attack and it has six health. And it says whenever uh, Dr uh, Dracona Optimi attacks a hero, reveal the top three cards of your deck. He deals damage, arcane damage equal to twice the number of red cards revealed this way to them or an ally they control. But there's no way to attack with this Dracona yet. So that's really interesting. How do you even attack with it? We don't know yet. It doesn't have the uh, keyword attack like you do on weapons or other allies. So we don't actually know how it will be able to attack yet, which is really interesting. And um, Alice has showed us what these new Marvels are going to look like. They showed us the regular card face and also the Marvel card face, which you can go and check out on fabtcg.com and the Uprising articles. Um, it looks freaking awesome. It's like borderless, extended mm -hmm. art. It looks amazing, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, it's real good. Um, do you just want to give some information about the set so as i said uh season preview season starts on june 4th so we get a week of previews then we go to the world premiere and then the pre-release the week after uh the uprising set contains 226 cards has one fabled six legendaries uh that's that's really interesting that's kind of in line with where we've been previously right with the six legendaries like we were in uh in monarch were we the same in tales variant i can't remember uh, 27 Majestics, 51 Rares, 125 Commons, 16 Tokens, and some number of Marvels. Uh, there's 16 cards per pack because the Cold Foil is now replacing the, um, the token slot. Mm -hmm. uh, so what you get one per display is guaranteed. Uh, it's designed for Booster Draft, so of course we are heading back to Limited, which is fantastic. There is Cold Foils and there is Rainbow Foils in, the, in those legendary slots, uh, and that's something that they've talked about, you know, doing away of First Edition. There is just uprising, so that's really cool to see. Um, there's also blitz decks, uh, which you can go and check out. There's 40 card blitz decks. I don't know if there's three for like one for each year. I don't know if Icelander has one. So far, we've just seen the two, uh, Dromai and Faye. So I don't know what that means for Icelander. Um, of course, you can head along to these board premiere events. There is a lot of lore that's already gone up talking about, you know, like there's when they they previewed that Icelander is going to be in this format. Adult Icelander. There's uh, Journey into the Forgotten. Um, there's this In Flames article which announces uprising and shows these uh these new draconic heroes that we're going to get but we don't know what that means we don't know what the, the talent is we don't know how it works uh to be honest like we don't even really know right brennan is this how this how this talent's going to be in this world like we're we getting two draconic heroes and one uh one ice hero like how mm. does that well i can definitely tell you something whatever you think it is it's not because they exactly. always they always switch it up on us so gosh if it wasn't, it wasn't like our responsibility to speculate on it. I would literally just not even think about it because I'm always wrong. <laughs> yeah, it does look like though we are getting a three hero set, uh, as we did with the previous with Tales of Aria. Um, there's like pre-orders going up for art here, uh, art sleeves for this uh, for this new set, and there's only three of them, which is another thing with that. Of course, we've just seen three heroes. But you know what? As always with LSS, there could well be a fourth hero. Uh, what the talents mean? It'd be interesting to see if we get, like you say, the balance of talents. Whatever, whatever people speculate about, all oh, balancing two versus one talent, it's not going to play out that way because we always know that LSS have things in the back pocket. They're always holding stuff back to that week of previews as they should. Get the speculation rolling. Get this train, the hype train going, 
And once we get closer into that preview season, we're going to see no doubt how this limited format is going to work. But um, yeah, no doubt that it's going to be that's going to be awesome regardless. So yeah, the art, the art, every set that comes out, I feel like the art just steps up as well, which is yeah, I mean, super impressive. Yes, I would like to see some traditional art, right? So that means some painted art, drawn art, things like that. Um, just from a collector standpoint, it'd be really cool. Uh, but yeah, it looks great. I'm super excited. We talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the pod. I do want to say that I'm very happy that Icelander is becoming an adult hero because I wouldn't call it a complaint, but one of my uh, one piece of one piece of feedback I gave when we saw Icelander, I was like, "Damn, I really wish this was an adult hero because the the design is so cool." So very excited for I that. Have it. Very very excited. I have it. Um, but yeah, we had to sort of blitz through Uprising Hayden, but it's all good. Um, yeah, I'm we'll sure be talking about a lot more. Tons, more, <laughs> tons, tons more. So on to my favorite section. Before we go to the Google, uh, go to the review for the podcast, I do want to say apologies if there was like one, two, maybe like two and a half, like little system sounds that came in there. Uh, I've been recording through my system sound, like my desktop sound. Um, and I've like muted everything, but I just like I get pinged by so many freaking things, and who knows. But next time, I'm just gonna have Hayden's volume come through Discord. Like I can just just route it through the only listening to the Discord sound, so it should be all fixed then. But yeah, sorry if you hear a little bing, <laughs> freaking people out on there while they're trying to fall asleep to the podcast. Um, but yeah, so for the Google review, it does come from Brandon, Brandon Flores, who is actually a local to me. He said, "I tune in to hear pompous Pat be humbled by his." More successful Kiwi partner, um, but the main draw of the pause is to stay is to stay up to date with the world uh, in the world of Wraith. Since I don't have the hours to stalk discords and clickbaity content in Flesh and Blood, these gents always provide a succinct digest of what I need to know with an appropriate level of salt and humor. The pod uh, paired with the Patreon deck text have allowed me to live my busy <laughs> live my busy life with my family um, and my profession. Put in put in limited practice and still crush souls at my local. Well, Brandon. Uh, to get you back for the intro to that, I will say you a little bit of a lie there at the end about crushing souls of your local. But well, I'll let you get away with it. Hayden, if they want to give us a review to be featured, how do they do it? Yeah, if you want to be berated by Brendan, uh, rate this podcast.com forward slash Arsenal Pass. Go and leave us a review. Uh, Brendan likes the funnier ones. Uh, I like the ones that uh, put me in a nice light. So. I'm not too also, they like go, yeah they go hand in hand <laughs> yeah yeah otherwise <clears throat> that's it for this week's podcast episode 55 where we talked about the ban suspended announcement and a little bit about uprising uh as i say we're definitely gonna be talking about it more and in the coming weeks as we head towards the pro tour brendan we've got two podcasts before the pro tour so that's really uh that's gonna be interesting if you're not already subscribed to the YouTube channel, go and check us out. We have gameplays up there, deck techs. Uh, a little bit quieter at the moment, but once we sort of, you know, we're in the midst of testing right now, but as we head into ProQuest Season 2, uh, towards the calling, Blitz calling, towards Uprising, uh, once we get into that limited format, we're going to be pumping them out, so don't you worry about that. Uh, go and check us out there as well. We are both on Twitter. Brendan is at BrendanAPG. I am at Fian underscore Dale. Come and chat to us about all things Fab-related. Uh, we post a lot about, you know, our opinions, decklist we're playing, uh, just general thoughts about the game and, and what's happening, plus, you know, other associated stuff out there. Fab Twitter is really growing <clears throat> in the past few months, and it's, it's a cool place to be a part of, actually. I've really enjoyed it, so <laughs> come and join us. Uh, Patreon, massive shout-out to all of our patrons and a big thank you. Our Patreon features exclusive, you know, content. We do monthly podcasts. Uh, this month's podcast will be dropping in the next few days. We do also have uh, your sort of in-depth analysis videos, Whenever we throw up a deck tech for um, the class constructed on the YouTube channel, and sometimes the Blitz as well, we will have full, a full like sideboard guide and matchup plan 
uh, guide that you can go check out on the Patreon, plus lots of other sort of assorted things that we put up as we go through the seasons. Otherwise, Brendan, until next time, I'm going to go and uh, rise up. That was adorable. See you all next week.